Hello, Misfits. You can see we're back. We've got some news for you right before we get into the recap for Season 1. Starting March 1st, we will be going live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash misfitrolls for all of Season 2. We will continue to release the podcast the following Sundays, so stick right here on the feed. Nothing's going to change for you except for, hey, you're getting more Misfits coming very soon. We just want everyone to be aware of this. And I will now let you get to Season 1 recap in case you need a little bit of refresher before we get into Season 2 next week, right here on the Isle of Misfit Rolls. Welcome to the Isle of Misfit Rolls and the world of Vertis. Many centuries ago, a group of heroes were able to seal away a great darkness in the world and brought out the Age of Light and great dedication to the 12 gods of this realm. Today... The darkness is returning and many failed attempts to recreate history by the church's governing body in Sphia. They have opted for a new plan. Too many good people have given their lives, so why continue to use good people? Our journey begins in a jail cell. Five people all come to consciousness bound in chains. Almus, an otherworldly wizard with dreadlocks, tattoos, and an unconventional facial structure. Tally, an alluring lavender tiefling with sticky fingers. Chalk, a massive reptilian druid with a propensity for face-eating. Tavrook, a large hobgoblin soldier dedicated to the Burned Legion. And Aviana, a white-haired human with ties to blood magic. The group quickly decides to free themselves and band together to escape this place. They fought guards and undead, faced traps and puzzles until they discovered this prison was beneath the main grounds of the Church of Sphia. A test given by the Archbishop Sindrak to determine if these expendable criminals were capable of accomplishing their goal. A test passed. Their goal was to find a way to reseal their darkness without causing chaos, panic amongst the populace. After all, the return of this great evil would be a PR nightmare for Sphia. The group was given numerous relics to assist with their goals. They were given a vessel in the form of a mirror, which they would capture the darkness. Each prisoner was also given a magical item imbued with the power of the gods themselves. A, se a selection of 12, one representing each god. Aviana immediately selected a cloak blessed by the goddess of weather, Temtrua. Almas trolls a scroll from the goddess of knowledge, Cognus. Tevruk donned heavy gauntlets forged by the god of fire himself, Ignis. Tally was drawn to the amulet of the goddess of love, Amer, and Chalk begrudgingly selected a pouch emblazoned with the symbol of Terra, the goddess of earth and nature. After receiving their relics, the group was sent first to the continent of Puria, more specifically to a small fishing town called Brisbane on the so southern side of the continent. The town was built near a salt mine to help with storage and shipment of their main export, but the mine had been experiencing problems, missing miners and massive drop in salt production, instead producing a flaky black substance. Our party entered the mine and encountered the missing miners only to find they had fallen to the corruption the darkness brings. At the lowest portion of the mine, a monstrous creature awaited them, a multitude of long spindly legs and large razor-like claws and paralyzing fear presented the group with their first major challenge. But they managed to overcome the beast when the black smoke started billowing out of its corpse. Tally managed to pull the smoke into the mirror and keep it from infecting the remainder of the mind. 
It was then that Jack noticed a speck of pure white salt in the black walls of the mine as it started to expand. The mine would be saved. They returned to the village where they were celebrated by the locals and gifted with fish kisses, as well as receiving an invitation to a nearby town who had heard of the exploits and benefited greatly from the salt mine's restoration. An incredibly grateful cheese baron named Lord Ronald Bach spoke of a party that would be thrown in the team's honor at the next town up the road, Trempet. Their stay in this new town began normally enough with the newly bound together adventurers spending some time getting to know each other. However, too much downtime before the party seemed to cause our adventurers to revert to their criminal ways. Stores were broken into, priests were accosted, demons were summoned, and a teenager was murdered in a dark alley, allegedly. Luckily, the inept town guard never made it far in their investigation, and the celebration took place as scheduled. All of the nobles and cheese lords of Trumpet were at the masquerade ball. The party featured a host of meats and treats, guests in elaborate costumes, and many entertaining events and games of sorts. The main event of the evening was a display of magical fire. What started as a tantalizing spectacle quickly turned to the horror as the fire came to life and began incinerating the partygoers. Our party leaped into action and defeated the flaming monster and his fiery minions. The ball ended as quickly as it began, but not before one of our adventurers passed began creeping up on them. The enchanted brazier was discovered to be a gift from Tally's former thieves guild the hand. Surprisingly enough, one of Lord Bach's employees was familiar with the symbol and was actually a fellow member of the hand named Pierre. He let the group know of the trouble in the twin cities of Pieria, Kamel and Luki, so they made their way north. On their way, they stopped in a brewer's town called Carling, where they discovered the first signs of darkness since Brisbane. Tales of overly aggressive beasts in the forest north of town and the disappearance of one of the two dragonborn owners of the Kardshar distillery. The group made their way through the woods to discover the figure of Nijern morphing into a full-sized black dragon. They managed to defeat the dragon, but their work wasn't done. A massive nearby tree actually turned out to be the source of the darkness. It took a lot of effort, but they were able to pierce the bark of the tree to release and capture the darkness that resided within and cleanse the forest. The next town along their path was called Charon, a lumber town that had been clear-cutting forest. This did not sit well with Chalk. The town also sported a strong kart racing community led by their champion, CK. The party discovered he was less than deserving of his title from a retired racer named Dominic Doretto, and they considered doing something about it, but Chalk had a better idea. Chalk decided the town responsible for the destruction of nature deserved some destruction of its own and set fire to the lumber mill in the dead of night. CK tried his best to douse the fire, but the party decided to kill two birds with one stone and murdered CK and his cheating mage friends and fled town. A couple less eventful stops marked the path of the party before they finally arrived in the first capital, Kamal. The corruption wasn't as immediately evident here as it was in the past towns. Tali was able to clue them in on the presence of the Hand's rival thieves guild called the Black Daggers. They made their way to the tower base where the guild was expecting us, but not as the Black Daggers. The two guilds had undergone a merger of sorts under new management and were now known as the Black Hand. Their new leader was a devious, bald ox of a man we came to know as Brelic. He also happened to be one of Aviana's old friends. He sent Tali's ally in the guild to their death, beating the party pillar to post and left them alive long enough to destroy the Kamal Dam flooding the city. The party scrambled to escape the flooding waters discovered the rest of the Black Hand was attacking the city. 
They fought assailants and made their way to the castle to try to make sure Prince Gavash wasn't assassinated on the revolt. They infiltrated the castle and made their way to the throne room where they discovered the prince and his advisors who betrayed him to the Black Hand. The party had help in battling these turncombs from Tali's ally Pierre and another former Hand member called Blue Jay. They managed to defeat them and quell the rebellion for now, but that was the least of their worries. The death and destruction that racked the town caused a new brand of darkness the party hadn't yet seen. The populace's stress and grief caused them to manifest their own darkness, turning some of them into horrible beasts. The group couldn't cut down this type of darkness. Kamal needed to heal. They helped refugees find shelter, they fed hungry, and cured sick. They lifted spirits across the city, but that wasn't enough. The religious district had been overrun with undead, and that needed fixing. They cleared out the temples and found their summoner and decapitated him with great haste. The city still had work to do, but they could take it from here. Relic was believed to have fled to Luki, so the party began their journey northwest to the second capital of Pyria. They first traveled through a small town called Vaya. They were told of beasts that had attacked the city. The town's troubles were evident as soon as they entered. No one was walking the streets, buildings in shambles. The source of this trouble was a pack of werewolves that had taken over the local temple to the moon god, Lunas. They traveled beneath the temple to eliminate this issue and found some help along the way. A secret spoken to a tomb by Aviana opened it to reveal another figure from her past. She knew him as Vornir, but he had no recollection of her and called himself Tay. Tay joined the party and helped them find the leader of the werewolves and slay him, revealing the darkness that corrupted those creatures and entrapping it in the mirror. They freed a host of captured children waiting to be infected with lycanthropy and returned to their families and continued along their journey to Luki with an extra ally. Along the journey, Tali started having nightmares about returning villains, dead friends, ruined plans, and her own death, and was physically unable to sleep at night. With Tay's ties to Lunas and previously existing nocturnal tendencies, he and Tali became the night crew, keeping watch of camp and sleeping during the day while the rest of the party traveled. That was not the only obstacle they faced on their journey after Vaya. Over the group's time together, Chalk was slowly being pulled towards his homeland in Revalon. Word of darkness infecting the Green Sea and other groups of heroes failing on their mission drove Chalk to leave the party and return to his home to fight the darkness on his own. However, the party was not left shorthanded for long. The pet raccoon named Bok that Chalk had left with the party was awakened the day after Chalk left and was incredibly intelligent. He was immediately able to wield weaponry and craft complex machinery and magical items. The group found a large city called Penetsla on their path to Luki, which luckily had a teleportation circle that led to Luki. They met with High Lord Abram and secured a new ally and access to the circle. They gathered their supplies and stepped into the circle, but nothing is ever that easy. Relic's voice spoke to them as they were teleporting, and it ended up shunting them out in a forest many miles east of the capital. They fought their way through the woods and made it to the outskirts of Luki. Tali's hometown of Northfield is right outside the city, so the group had a family reunion and discovered that her sister B was attending the magic university in the city, but she hadn't been in contact with home in some time. Time seemed of the essence. The group used the town's trading caravan to sneak into the city undetected. They couldn't find B at the school, but they did find an imposter under a mind control spell that was killed and disposed of. Tali, under chase by the town guard, found refuge in her old dwelling beneath a bar called Reggie's, where Tay joined her. The rest of the party made their way to Prince Gregor's keep to check in and see about other signs of darkness in the city. But not all was well with Gregor. He revealed himself to be Brelic in disguise, and that B was captured and trapped in a glass box levitating above the room. The battle was on. B's box began to fill with black ichor as the fight commenced. Bach had a bright idea and enlarged the box to give her more time and began freeing B. 
The three remaining party members whittled down Brelic and his mages with everything they had, but it looked like they were out of luck when Tavruk was banished and almost was trapped in a force cage. It was down to Brelic and his old friend Aviana. Both worn down and on their last legs, Aviana made a last-ditch effort and used her blood curse of mutual suffering on Brelic. He unleashed his last attack, and both fighters fell unconscious. Tavruk and Almas were free to revive Aviana and help Bach finish freeing B. Brelic's death unleashed a torrent of darkness into the throne room, and without Tali in the mirror to seal it, the party was trapped. Tavruk, though, was able to enlarge himself and smash through the ceiling, saving the party, but unleashing the darkness into the sky. The real Gregor was saved and pardoned and rewarded the party in full. The party had one last stop before this portion of their journey was complete. It was time to return to Sphia and deliver the darkness they had gathered and reseal it. They were able to teleport directly there through the use of Luki's circle. They were greeted by Sindrak for the first time since the adventure began and were led deep beneath the surface of Sphia to a chamber with a figure inside of a dark glass globe. The leader of the church, Pope Samphir, took their vessel and unleashed the darkness into the globe. The group was awaiting the results of this ritual when Zamfir plunged a corrupted dagger through Sendrak's back. The figure came out of the seal and was greeted as Unus. The old god had returned. Sendrak did what he could to help the party escape, using the last of his magic as he lost consciousness to summon a large and powerful wall between them and the Pope, and opening a portal away from Svea. Tavruk scooped up the unconscious Sendrak and they sprinted through the portal. Our adventurers found themselves just offshore of a small island. They scrambled to try to heal Sindrak's wound while dragging him to the beach where a mysterious figure awaited, a banished member of the church named Andrea the Red. Bach's constant healing managed to save Sindrak from passing and he was able to recoup. A boat would be coming to the beach in a number of days that the group could barter passage on, so they had time to recover and do research and come to terms with what happened in Svea. Their main discovery was that their teleport was not as instant as it seemed. A month had passed since the events in Sphia, and the world had taken notice while our party was marooned. Tay also managed to regain his memories as Vornir and absconded with Andrea's sea canoe to immediately leave the island. Some personal issues also came to light amongst the group, so everyone is a little on edge as the boat arrives and sets sail for Revelon and Season 2 of the Isle of Misfit Rolls. <laughs>